0: Even if you are not a Star Wars fan, you're probably familiar with that signature Hollywood moment. I, I'm not going to take this analogy too far today because it's science fiction and it would break down really quick. But over the course of six Star Wars movies, we found out that the story was not about the characters we thought they were about when we were first introduced to the, to the films and to the story, but rather the stories are about a man named Mannequin. And the story begins with such promise about someone who could make a difference in the universe, but then when life did not go his way, he went astray and ultimately he falls from grace. But the Star Wars story is a redemptive story, and the main character there does not even realize that the seminal moment of his redemption plan begins when he decides to insert himself back into the life of his family, when he speaks those words to his oldest son, I am your father. I love it. My voice can't go that deep. The writers of the story knew that this would be so huge that actually only a few people knew about it. And if you know very much about Star Wars, you know the guy in the Vader costume is not the voice of Darth Vader. And so while that man was on the set, he actually voiced different words and they acted out to different things. Even with what we're seeing on the screen, it wasn't until weeks later when James Earl Jones did the voiceover that it was revealed to the people, even in the sound stage at that moment, that that was going to be the big twist in the story that Vader was actually Luke's father. It came out of nowhere. It was completely unexpected. It was an ambush. You see, pastors and storytellers, we watch movies differently than everybody else. Don't even get me started on Disney. We'll go down that road another day. It's another series. I want you right now to think about those seminal moments in your life. I want you to think about those moments that begin with such promise. I remember Friday, October 3rd, 1997, at 7.30 p.m., I had been shucking and jiving with the audience, and then they told me I needed to get in my spot, and then all the bridesmaids walked down, they opened the door, all the bridesmaids walked down, they shut the doors again, and then the music started, and they opened them, and there was my beautiful bride standing in the back of the church. I'll never forget our eyes locking, and and she had wanted to see the reaction on my face when I first saw her in her wedding dress before she walked down the aisle. It was a seminal moment in my life I'll never forget. I'll never forget the days that when my boys were born. And I remember holding them each for the, for the first time. And with each of them, I, I sang the same songs and I, and I prayed over them in those first moments. And one of the things that I'm not sure I realized in, in any of those moments was that with each one, I was entering deeper and deeper into a galactic spiritual battle for my family. I mean, it's an all-out war. And for some of you today, you have not realized that. And in in your marriages, it started out with such promise. And and if you had to be honest today, you'd say, you know what? This is really not going the way that we expected. And we don't feel the way that we expected to feel. And and we're just not really sure what to do. Let me tell you today, you need an ambush. You need an unexpected plan. You need a moment to turn things around and to advance the cause of, of having the marriage that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for you to have. Some of you say, my kids are out of control today. I don't know what to do with them. I mean, they're four and they're running all over me. They're four and two. We don't know what to do. They, when they started out good, they smelled nice. And a few minutes later, something happened. And we're just really, listen, things are not going in our family the way we thought they, they should. We don't really even know where to begin. You need an ambush today, an unexpected plan to advance the cause of making your family into what God wants it to be. But before you can do that, you have to understand the war. You have to understand the battle. So what's the war about? When Mark chapter 10, Jesus is asked a question about divorce. This is actually very common in the first century to ask a rabbi what he believed about divorce. And for Jesus, rather than getting into all the law and and giving all the reasons, yes, it's okay if it happens like this, if it's not okay if it happens like this, rather, Jesus just decides to remind everyone of God's original intention for marriage. So he takes them back to the very beginning. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 10, verse six. And here's what Jesus says. He says, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Now, Jesus is quoting from Genesis chapter two. He's quoting it almost verbatim, verses 24 and 25. But then he goes on to expound on it. And he says, listen, God joined them together, male and female. And listen, they're not just living together. They're united under God. They are married. And today that's what is symbolized in a marriage ceremony. It's two people coming together and becoming one. But here's what you need to understand. Anything that God creates... Anything that God joins together, the enemy of God is going to do everything he can to break it apart. Spouses united with one another, children united to their parents, Christ followers in the church united together as the body of Christ. Listen, the enemy of God and your enemy is at constant war to rip apart the unity and the shalom of God. That is why we have to talk about marriage and family in terms of galactic war. And that's why some of you need to make a decision today that it is worth fighting for. Because having a marriage centered around Christ, making a difference for the cause of Christ and raising kids to do the same is a battle. It's an all-out war. It's a spiritual battle. And what does God say about the spiritual battle of the Christ follower? Ephesians chapter six, the apostle Paul says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In a great and honest book on marriage, authors Justin and Tricia Davis say it this way, marriage is physical and emotional, but more than anything else, marriage is spiritual. We have an enemy who seeks to steal our hearts, kill our hope, and destroy our marriages. Our struggle against this enemy is what we know Is spiritual warfare. Now listen, I don't know how your marriage is going today, but I I need to tell you something. Some of you need to hear this. Listen, your spouse is not the devil. Okay? Your wife is not the devil. Your husband is not the devil. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't have one sitting on his shoulder tempting him and whispering in his ear or in her ear but here's what you need to understand your spouse is not the devil the devil is the devil now that's some deep theology you need to write that down hey say that again here we go the devil i'm serious the devil is the devil I spent some time with a missionary friend this last week. He was formerly a missionary to Central Africa, and, and his wife came home to the U.S. for a month for a wedding. So he stayed in Africa, and she came here. And, and while she was home, while she was at this wedding with all these old high school friends, she, she rekindled some love with, a, with an old high school flame. And ultimately, she came back to her, to her husband in Central Africa, and she said, listen, it's over. I want out. He never saw it coming. I mean, she just left to go to for a wedding and she was just coming back. He never saw it coming, but she said, it's over, I want out. They tried counseling. He tried doing more to woo her. He did everything that he could, but she would have nothing of it. Her heart had been led away. James chapter one says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. My friend's marriage died. It had started with such promise, but then a heart was led astray and there was a fall from grace. Here's what you have to understand. That ex-wife, she is not the devil. That other man, he is not the devil. The devil is the devil. You see, this is one of the keys to being able to unlock forgiveness in your life. That person that lied to you That person who stole from you, that person who ridiculed you, that person who cheated on you, that person who cut you out at the knees and robbed you of an opportunity, that person is not the devil. The devil is the devil. And make no mistake, if you're in a relationship united by God, united in marriage, united by the closest of friendships, children (laughs) given to you by God, the enemy will come to try and separate what God has joined together. And in those moments, you need to remember that you are not at war with your son or daughter. You are not at war with your daughter's boyfriend. You are not at war with your spouse's boss. You are not at war with that person who hurt you so deeply. You are at war with the author of sin who would love to, dis- to distract you by making you mad at someone made of flesh. But in those moments, you need to remember the devil is the devil. And from the Garden of Eden, there has been a battle going on for your marriage. And if your marriage has produced, produced offspring, your children are part of this battle too. But they may not be the part of the battle that you thought they were. Psalm 127, King Solomon gives us some thoughts, and he says it this way. He says, "...unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain." It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Listen, this is important to understand about your kids. If you're going to have an intentional plan to point them to God and for your family to be used to do great things in the kingdom of God this is important you need to understand this your kids are not trophies your kids are weapons your children were not given to you to be polished and put on the shelf and set aside for another day your children are not a redo of your past condemned to make all the same mistakes even the unplanned child some born in the most awful of circumstances they are evidence of God's grace even the most difficult of times they are blessings from God and to be tools in the hands of of God tools that you're preparing to help you impact the kingdom of God isn't it interesting that this passage starts with a picture of someone working so hard that they're not able to enjoy the blessings of God and Solomon wrote this psalm the wisest man who ever lived and he says don't get so busy that you can't enjoy the blessings the children The more you enjoy them, the more time you spend with them, the more you sharpen them, the more powerful they will become in the hands of God. I love how Eugene Peterson voices this when he translates Psalm 127 in the message. He says this, like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. Why? Because of your kids, you'll sweep them, your enemies, not your kids, you'll sweep them right off your doorstep. Listen, I've seen the exorcist. I know what can happen. But your children are not the devil. The devil is the devil. And if your children are a part of the plan for your family and and not just riding along, ultimately, as part of the end game, here's what the scriptures say, here's what God says, ultimately, your children will help you defeat your enemies. Your children will remind you to come home from work every once in a while. Your children will remind you that all the money you go to work and make is not for you alone. They do a good job reminding us of that. On some days, your children will remind you that you're a hero no matter what the rest of the world thinks about you. Your children will remind you that plans change, that seasons come and go, but God's love endures forever. And as you sharpen them, if you're paying attention, they will sharpen you And as you build relationships with them later in life, you will stand side by side. You have the opportunity to stand side by side, expanding the kingdom of God together. But you've got to understand this, mom and dad, grandparent, guardian, whoever you are this morning, you've got to understand this. From this passage alone even, your purpose is to let them go. When they're 34, you let them move out. No, listen, your your purpose is, Is to prepare them to leave. What an incredible illustration this is. There's no trigger on this bow. This is an old fashioned bow. This is the kind of bow where you have to to strain, you have to pull, you have to stretch, but your purpose every single day is to point them in God's direction until one day you let them fly. And pulling that arrow back, what a beautiful illustration. Pulling that arrow back requires constant tension, constant attention, and all the strength you can muster to help it fly true. Listen, to have a family that is successful and united and growing in relationship with God and with each other requires intentionality. The enemy is going to come after you every single day. He never rests, he never tires. He's gonna come after you at your weakest points. He's regularly planning temptation and attacks. But God has to be intentionally acknowledged in your family so that you can experience his blessing on your marriage and on your children. So this morning, I wanna give you some things you can do to saturate your family with the things of God. And here's full disclosure. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect dad. My wife is perfect in all her ways. My, ch- my children are not perfect. But as a dad, as the leader of my home, as a husband, guys, here's my goal every single day. Single parents, here's my goal. I was raised in a single parent home. Here's my goal every single day. Moms, here's my goal every single day. I want to saturate my family with the things of God. Some of you may not like the word saturate. For me, I love it. It just kind of flows. The idea of saturation, think, think about a sponge that is fully saturated. It cannot handle any more liquid. You try to put more water in it, it's not going to happen. It's already, it's already flowing over. It's, it's absorbed all that it can. When you, when you pick it up, you have no doubt that it is filled with water. The Bible says that the earth is filled with the glory of God. The Hebrew word for glory is the word ruach. It means weight. The earth is filled with the weight of God. No matter how much you try to deny it, you can't help it. He's there. So the question today is, are you intentionally filling your family with the weight of God? And if you're not, I believe there are some simple things you can begin to implement today. There's some some ambush opportunities that can happen today. It will be unexpected Because for some of you, your family's going in a completely different direction and you haven't tried anything like this until now. It's an ambush. I was in Africa this past week. I've been there for the last nine days. I had a trip before that and we had Easter before that. So I hadn't seen very much of my family in the last couple weeks. So I decided to not tell them, but to come home a day early, to hide myself in the house, to come home a day early. Here's what it can look like to ambush your family. I thought I'd come holiday (laughs) and you. didn't take my boys long to find the GoPro. Listen, some of you, you're going to get that kind of reaction. Some of you, you're absolutely terrified of what kind of reaction you're going to get as a man to your spouse. If you say today, we're going to do everything we can to start following God in our home. Some of you are absolutely terrified of what your children are going to look at you and say, seriously, do you know the word you used before we left for church this morning? And now you decided that you're going to do this. Listen, you've got to lead with courage you've got to lead with strength it is time for an ambush to rescue the marriages and the people of God and here are some things yeah here's some simple things we try in our home and you've got to work this out for your family but let me give you some tips here the first thing is to pray together this isn't just a general encouragement to pray even though prayer is crucial. Prayer is the power source for the believer in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. It is a, it's a necessary avenue for talking to the Father and for having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But I wanna challenge you not to just pray, but to pray together. Allow prayer to be one of those things that bonds your family and to make you closer. I don't know how your family bonds Some of you bond between September and January on Saturdays when football is on. That's bonding for you. That's great. But I want to tell you, you can do that more than four or five months out of the year. You can do that every day by praying together. And I've had a lot of conversations with people lately who've not said to me, we're not going to pray at our home. I've had a lot of conversations with people lately who said, you know, we don't know how to pray. So let me just give you some simple things and if you've been following Jesus your whole life and you're like, I, I, I feel like I've got the prayer thing down, that's good, we appreciate you, I hope this encourages you too. Here's a couple of things I wanna give you about prayer. First of all, nothing is off limits. Nothing's off limits. No matter how small or how large, God is called our father and isn't what every dad wants is no limits conversation. I mean, we might joke and say, sometimes there's things we wish you didn't tell us, that's not true. We want to hear it all. We want to hear everything that's on your mind, everything that's on your heart. Maybe you're sitting there as a spouse this morning. You said, you know what? I just want to know what he's thinking. I just want to know what she's thinking. And then you have those moments where you actually figure it out, where they actually voice it, whether it be in frustration or honesty or just finally coming forward, whatever it is. It might create conflict, it might create tension, but at the end of the day, that is how you're going to get healthy as a family. So when you come before God in prayer, you need to be honest with yourself and honest with God. And here's the deal nothing can be off limits. Just come share it. We're in our small group recently, and a couple of the couples in our small group they said, Listen, we we just don't know what to share. We don't know what to say to God. And some of them, we had several couples in our group that were all looking at housing situations right now and needing to sell or wanting to buy and and having two or three different things to look at. And one of the guys one night, he said, listen, we got a couple of houses we're looking at. I, I feel like I'm supposed to pray about it. Is it okay to pray to God about a house thing? But I don't know what to say. I said, yeah, nothing's off limits. You can pray. I said, let me give you a sample prayer for a house. Here's how this goes. Dear God, I feel like we should live in a home and I don't know which one we should live in. We have a couple of choices to make. Would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. You can talk to God. Nothing is off limits. Even if you don't know what to say, just come share it. And by the way, God has promised to never leave you or forsake you. So it doesn't matter what house you buy. He's moving in. And here's some of you, you'll wring your hands over decisions and you don't know what to do. And at the end of the day, we need to spend more time trying to become God's will than just figuring out what God's will is. We're supposed to be the people of God. Just come to him with whatever it is you're thinking and he will direct your paths. He will guide you into the way you should go. And once you've decided to talk to him, here's the deal. Talk to him like you mean it. Don't mamby-pamby around this thing. The Bible says we're invited to come boldly before the throne of grace. To God, our Father, invited to come boldly before the throne of grace. Just tell him what you're thinking. In the Psalms, David is happy, he's mad, he's angry at other people, and he tells God exactly what he thinks about them. Listen, God is like a great place to let that stuff out. It's okay, he can handle it. Come to him with exactly what you're thinking. Come to him with your angst, with your desire that that person would come to know Christ. Come to him with that boss that you would rather other things happen to him than what you could bring before God. Tell him all of it. Tell him all of it. Listen, pray with your kids every day. On the way to school, maybe before you pull into that car rider line, turn the radio off for just a moment and just say, hey, let's pray. God, Help my my kids' teacher to survive them today. Help them not to meet the principal in a way that they shouldn't. Pray for the kids in their class. We pray that they may actually learn something new today. Watch over my kids. Before you pull on the doorknob to let them out to the bus stop, put your hand on the door, take it off the doorknob, put your hand on the door and say, let's just pray real quick. It doesn't take long. And we can insert the supernatural we can insert the god of the universe into this day by just starting for just a moment like this some of you you need to you need to pray with your kids before they go to bed don't just send them to bed and say hey the church said you should pray for you go pray go sit on the bed with them and go pray with your kids and ask them to pray you want to know what your kids are thinking ask them to pray you want to know what your teenager is thinking they're, they're not going to want to at first, I know. But let's pray together. And there's something, prayer is supernatural. You're talking to God. When you bow your heads and you close your eyes, that veil is removed and our hearts are open. And maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, but over time with intentionality and saturating your family with prayer, hearts will become wide open. Pray the scriptures over your kids scriptures are God's letters to you. They're his love letters to you. So when you see a promise in the scripture, that's for you. I have scriptures I pray over my boys almost every single day. May the peace of God guard their minds and their hearts in Christ Jesus. That's a Bible verse. I pray almost every single day that my boys would grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. Why do I pray that verse? Because that's how the Bible describes Jesus grew up. And I don't want to fall into the, into the comparison trap, but Jesus turned out pretty well. And so if my boys could turn, could turn out to be like Jesus, that's my goal. For married couples, can I tell you something? You'll be hard-pressed to find a divorced couple who spent much time in prayer together. You need to, you need to pray together. And guys and, and ladies, you don't need to be afraid that you're going to sound or look foolish. Praying together will strengthen your physical, emotional, spiritual intimacy together on on every level praying together like you mean it every single day pray scripture together are you dating someone you think it's serious you want to know how to test it out (laughs) (laughs) pray together right after he walks you to the car before he walks you to the door your parents would love it if you prayed before he walks you to the door keep things in order at that point pray together Listen, prayer unites us. Prayer gives you God's purposes as a couple, as a family together. And prayer grows the heart of God's love inside of you. And because God is love, when you pray, it grows your love for each other in ways that you could never even begin to understand. Let me give you something else I think you should try to do every day. We try to do around our house. And that's to speak words of life over each other, to each other. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Author Dr. James Dobson says, it takes 40 words of praise to counteract one word of criticism. Listen, your children are going to hear enough junk all day long. Your spouse is going to hear enough junk at work all day long. There's going to be plenty of moments when our spirits are beaten down as children, as teens, as adults, all along the way. We need to speak life to each other. Can I tell you something, mom and dad, I love you, but if your style of discipline is to be negative and to yell and beat down your kids you've been doing that the whole of their lives, you need to determine today to go overboard in the other direction. The Bible says, let others praise you and not your own lips. Some of you are thinking about, I got to do that 40 times for every one time I've been negative with them. Absolutely, you need to get started right now. It's time for an ambush. You need to tell your spouse how good they look. You need to say, man, honey, I know not all the hair is in the same place as it was when we started. And some of it, we can't find it. It's with the left socks somewhere in our path. I don't know where it is, but you look good. Honey, you look good. You're, it's like you're getting more regal. There's like a Redford-esque thing happening as you get older. This is amazing. Some of you need to look at, you guys, you need to look at your wife and you, you need to say, baby, you still got what it takes. In fact, you've got more than what it takes. I don't mean more in the way you think I mean more. I just mean, <laughs> I just mean you still look good. You need to tell your kids how amazing they are because they are going to get beat down. You need to tell your kids when they come home, they need to know mom and dad believe in you. We believe you've got what it takes. We believe you are good looking. You are strong. You're going to change the world and you're going to do it for the glory of God. And we need to speak that life into our kids every single day maybe something else that's just something we talk about in our house, and that's to develop healthy rhythms together. I was watching American Idol a few weeks ago. I still watch it, me and about 10 other people, and uh, I was watching it. Harry Connick Jr., one of my favorite musicians of all time, and listened to him since I was a teenager. He's one of the judges this year, and and he was telling one of the singers, he said, listen, you did a beautiful job on that song, but there was something about your voice and the music. They weren't just kind of matched up. The the, the rhythm of what you were doing just kind of looked different than what was being played and so he said here's what you need to do and and harry connor jr is from new orleans he said listen i need you to go into your hotel room i need you to lock the door i need you to look in the mirror and i need you to turn on as loud as you can some new orleans funk jazz and here's the thing somebody just said that's right god bless you that's good listen we're gonna have church they said listen here's what you need to do turn that on and here's why because that music has distinct downbeats And what some of you need in your family, you need distinct downbeats. You need distinct checkpoints every single day. That can be moments of prayer. That can be moments of not only speaking words of life to each other, but reading the scriptures together. You should have moments every day, every week. I don't know what that looks like in your family. If you're pop culture people, if you're movie people, then maybe it's every week, it's a family movie night. And maybe the day changes based on the kid's sports schedule, your work schedule, whatever it is. I can't tell you what it is. Pastor Brian gave a great message last week. If you haven't listened to it, you need to go download it and watch it for free on our website. Listen, I've known Brian and Amy since I was 16 years old. They've got a great marriage. They've they've raised great kids. There's some great things to be emulated there, but can I tell you something? You've got to figure out the rhythm of your family's life. You've got to figure out when can we pray together? When can we look each other in the eye? When can we speak words of light? You've got to do this intentionally because there is a war going on. And even as simple as these things sound, the enemy of God and your enemy will pr- try to prevent them from happening day after day after day. You need to have a regular annual rhythm where you're vacationing together, where everyone is together in holidays under one roof all at one time. Listen, this is, these are not just picture opportunities. This is not just propping up memories. These will be anchors for your family, those distinct checkpoints. Married couples, can of tell you something? You got to figure out how to date each other. You got to figure it out. I know babysitting is expensive, but you got to figure it out. Dave Ramsey says you're, where you're spending your money shows where your priorities are. If date night is not in your budget, then let me tell you, something else needs to go. If it's not once a week, if it's once every other week, if it's once a month, but it has got to be ready to go. You've got to keep the flame burning. And when you go out with one another, you've got to put the phone down, you've got to look each other in the eyes. And you've got to talk about and share and love life together and love your spouse and tell them how wonderful they are and build them up every time. Do the things you did when you were first trying to woo them, when you were first falling in love. Write the unexpected note. Send the text out of the blue. Find a way to do those first things you did when you first fell in love. I do some selfish things with my family. I create some selfish rhythms. With my boys, we have something called Milkshake Monday. I love Milkshake Monday. I can't have a Chick-fil-A milkshake every week, but on Monday, the calories don't count. It's incredible. It's an amazing thing. Listen, and there's no alcohol involved, but after a few sips of milkshake, my boys start opening up. Something just begins to happen. They begin to talk about their day. As we're looking each other in the eye, the goal of these checkpoints that you set in your marriage and with your family is to deepen your relationships with the people that God gave you. Your marriage is not an accident. It's not accidental. God brought you together. Your kids are not accidents. They are gifts from God. They're intended to be weapons from God. And if these anchors are there, your family will be able to hold strong in the storms of life. A few weeks ago, My son had a relational issue. My oldest son had a relational issue. He had been working out at school. And he had had some conflict and he had needed to confront someone and I had talked to him about it, tried to coach him in it and he'd let this situation go on for too long. And finally, one day I got word from my wife that he had actually, he'd handled it beautifully. He'd he'd made the confrontation. He's 11, he had the hard conversation. But after having that hard conversation, some other kids who were friends with this other little devil had um, actually... (laughs) just kidding that's awful (laughs) that child's not the devil okay the um (laughs) so some kids had rallied against him and he got in the car with my wife and he just melted into the back seat and tears began to well up in her eyes broke her heart he was at 11 he was emotionally drained in his relationships And Angela talked to him encouraged him, told him he did a great thing. He spoke truth, he spoke life. And she said, listen, we had a good talk, but I think you should talk to your dad about this. And Will said, I can't talk to dad about this until I get it figured out. I need to wait until I've got it all together. (laughs) I know what that's like. I've done that to my parents over the years. Sometimes we feel like it's hard to come to dad until everything is figured out. But I'm the kind of dad that intervenes, that goes ahead and dives into it. So that night I went up and I sat on his bed and before we prayed together, I said, hey, let's talk. I'm so glad we have that daily checkpoint of prayer because it helps facilitate some of this. It's such a simple thing. I said, you know, your mom told me what happened at school and she told me the situation. She told me about those little devil children and she told me the... uh, But I need to ask you about what you said to your mom about me, because you said you didn't feel like you could talk to me, and he said, yeah, well, dad, you know, kinda, you know. And I said, Will, you don't have to wait until everything is perfect to talk to me. I said, Will, I am your father. I said, I'm your dad. You don't have to wait until you have everything together to talk to me. And that's what our heavenly father says to us today. When it comes to our marriages, when it comes to our children, you don't have to have everything together to have that ambush moment. You don't have to go a few days without arguing or go a few days where everything stays reasonably peaceful in your house before you can step up. God did not wait and hold out on us. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 5, while we were still weak at the right right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us and that while we were still still sinners, Christ died for us. Dad, Mom, you will never show your love for more than if you go ahead and ambush him right now. And here's what the author says about that passage, Eugene Peterson, as he translates it. I love this. Listen to this. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this, as this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we, would have, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. God doesn't wait until everything is perfect before he intervenes, and he doesn't want you to wait either. He is your father. God is your father. He's the father who waits on the porch. And with even a a glimpse of someone who has turned back to him, he races to the horizon to meet them. From the very beginning, God has desired for his people to know him as father. In Psalm 68, it says he's the father of the fatherless and the protector of the widows in his holy habitation. Isaiah 64 says, oh, oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. For the ones who are longing for children to come home to him. Listen, he knows what that's like. And Jeremiah, he says, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. There will be a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. Your children will come back home. Some of you need to claim that as a promise today. It's going to happen. Isaiah 54, Listen. For the spouse, for the brokenhearted, for the divorced, for the one who is just barely hanging on, Isaiah says, your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel, he's writing a redemption story. He is our redeemer, the whole earth. Of the whole earth, he is called God. In Isaiah 49, God says, listen, you don't have to worry, I will not forget you. I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand. I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand. He is your father. You've got what it takes to lead. You've got what it takes to step up today. You've got what it takes. Now is your ambush moment. Now is the time to insert in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ given to him by his father. Some of you are scared to death of an ambush moment. Some of you are scared that if you look at the person you're sitting next to right now, your spouse, and say, today's the day we're going to start following God. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to blow it. You know all the ways that I'm going to screw this up. But today is the day we're going to try this. Some of you are scared to death to look at the person next to you right now because you're not sure what you're going to see in their eyes. Some of you have hurt your kids. Maybe not physically, but certainly emotionally. Some of you need to go get them today out of KidQuest. You can leave now if God's leading you to do it. Go get your kids and bring them back down here to these stairs and say, listen, right now, we're gonna pray together. And this moment of prayer is symbolic of every day after this. And mom and dad is, are not perfect, but we're gonna give it the best we can. Some of you need to look at your teenager and you need to grab them by that little tuft of hair. They never did lose when they were little, just real gently. And you just need to say to them, listen, let's go pray together. You say, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. Can I give you something to say to them? Turn to them and say, I am your father. I am your mother. I am your wife. I'm your husband. Let's do this together. I don't even know what's happening right now, but let this be a Holy Spirit moment of ambush where we say to each other, I love you. Let's keep working on it. Where we give grace to each other for all the mistakes, for all the things we've done in the past. I know healing has got to happen, but it can begin in this moment. I want to invite you right now, if you need to, to come down and pray as a family at these steps and say, this is the moment. This is, a, this is the downbeat in our family's life. We're gonna get back on rhythm today. I've asked Jason to sing a song. And as he sings, I just wanna invite you to come. Let this be a day of marriage and family ambush that turns the tide in your home.